sharing. As you know, we sent our first missions team out to Peru in, in May and uh, to work with Don in the ministry there. We go, and so he's going to be sharing a little bit tonight. But before he comes, I just, I just wanted to encourage your heart, you know, especially like this thing with the gloves. Hey, make sure with the gloves, don't give us your old gloves and go out and buy new gloves for you. Good. Either keep your old gloves and buy new gloves to bring or buy two pair when you go buy the second pair. But bring new, bring new gloves. Bring something nice that you can give. And so we're hoping that everybody that's walking through those doors, that you've got gloves in hand. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible. It's Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says that when we give to the poor, that we lend to the Lord. We give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. And that's striking to me because what it doesn't say is that when you give to the poor, you give to the Lord. It contrasts it. It says when you give to the Lord, you lend to the... When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. It's God saying to us that he values and cherishes generosity to impoverish people so much that he cannot help himself but to give to you in turn when he sees that happen. And so I don't know about you, but I want to position my life. I want to live my life in such a way that, that I'm positioned to receive from God everything that he wants to give to me because his provision is what enables me to fulfill my destiny. And one of the ways that we receive from him is to live a generous life. Not, not that getting from God is our motivation, but it is most certainly our reward. And he relishes and celebrates and cherishes the moments that he gets to pour out into your life because he sees you pouring out into the lives of other people. And so one of the reasons why we're excited about building this relationship with Don Latta and his wife Christy is because they minister to the poor in Peru. We're excited about the ministry that they do because not only are they bringing the message of the gospel of Christ to these towns, to these, to these pueblos, I think you call them part of the villages there, but they're meeting felt needs of people. They're not just walking into these villages, preaching the gospel and, and leaving. They're, they're, they're feeding the hungry. They're clothing those that don't, uh, don't have the ability to do otherwise. They're teaching people vocational skills. They're doing what James says. Come on, that, that, that if, you, if you're going to bring the message, then you've got to meet a need. And so we just appreciate the opportunity to work with them, to partner with them. And, uh, and we're excited about the ministry that we're going to have together uh, in the years to come. So I'm going to invite Don. Can you give him a warm City Life Church welcome as he comes? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Fred. Is it legal to have this much fun in church? I mean, you know, I like coming here. This is fun. Well, Christy and I really appreciate this church, and especially you guys sending some of your finest down to Peru this last summer, Shani and Rich and Warren. And uh, they came down and were a, rich, a really big blessing to us, brought a lot of fun on the trip, and uh, blessed us, and we really enjoyed that. Uh, Christy and and I, along with our two children, have been church planning missionaries uh, this next year for 20 years. We started out 20 years ago traveling in Eastern Europe uh, when our children were six and eight years old. Uh, our son John is with us tonight. John, would you stand up? And Christy, you want to come up here? Just say hello. Um, that's my son John. You want to come up? Yeah. You want to say hello? Okay. <laughs> It's great to be here with you all tonight. And like Don said, in the summer we had Shani and Rich and Warren. And it's such a blessing that you guys have opened up your heart and let us be a part of you. And so we're really, it's a blessing to be here tonight. Thank you. Yeah, John's a big help to me down there. John? All right. Well, this is a surprise. Um, 
It is good to be here. This is about my fourth time visiting, but <clears throat> we had a great time with the people that came down this year, and I would encourage any of you that can come down on a mission trip to come down, but um, I've been back for about two years now, back in Peru helping my parents, and God is really moving down there. And um, any of you who have not made a mission trip or left the country, I would encourage you just to go where God's calling you, and even if it's in your local church here, go where he's calling you and he will use you. So I just encourage you, and if you have the opportunity, like I said, come on down and We'll put you to work. So, Hallelujah. Thank you, John. So, <clears throat> in our heart, we're, we're kingdom people. We love this thing called the kingdom of God. We believe in the stuff. Uh, do you believe in the stuff in the Bible? I believe that the powerful Holy Spirit transforms lives today. I believe in multiplying this thing called church in different places, so we're church planners down in Peru. We've targeted uh, the poor uh, and Indian people on the outskirts of town. We live in a town of about a million people, and we've targeted the Incan Indian people who are uh, live in the outskirts of town, and they live in little pueblos, little villages, maybe a hundred families, such, in that, such as that, and they are uh, impoverished. They live in immoral uh, areas. They don't have the background training that we do here, and so we believe that Jesus Christ transforms lives, so we went in there and just started a church, and now we are attacking some of the problems, addressing some of the needs, and uh, it's good stuff, and we believe in multiplication, so we're trying to set up uh, the works to be self-sufficient so they can multiply into the future. So we have a little video, about five minutes, that shows us in our Pueblo and shows some of the people, so could you uh, put that on for us? The words aren't coming through. There's no words on that one. Uh, John, why don't you go get him another DVD, and I'll just go ahead and you can get that, and we'll do it later, okay? This is the first one that hasn't had words on it. Usually there's good words that go with this, and uh, that's our church there. And so we live in a village. It's mainly rocks right there. There's nothing green. And so this is the outskirts of where, where we have. So you can go ahead and stop that. And then, um, you know what? I'll just...
when you get that, we'll do it a little later. How's that? So we, we adapt to things, don't we? First one I've seen without words. I kept waiting. I says, I thought that thing had some words to it. Anyway, praise God. You know, we really want to make a difference where we're at, and I think that you guys, too, want to make a difference in your life. And I have found that God has given me something that really helps me have a vision and help give direction to my life, and that's a passion for Him. You know, I believe that God is all about the heart. And uh, he's all about us having a heart and a real relationship with us, and he wants our heart. And once he gets our heart, you know what? Then he can give us a lot of stuff because he's got to get to our heart first. And when we do give our vision to God, I mean, give our passion to God and allow him to have passion in our life, we find that there are benefits of provision that come to our life. So tonight, I just want to talk to you a little bit about passion for God and His kingdom. Could I have that first PowerPoint, please? You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, sell your possessions and give them to the poor. That's kind of radical, isn't it? I don't think anybody here has plans on selling everything you have, but what he's saying is don't be so attached to your stuff. You know, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there will your heart be also be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning you know God is so good he's he's just wonderful we come here and celebrate him but he has he has a purpose for us on this earth you know, and he made us to have passion for him. He made us to be radical. And when we don't have a passion for him, things don't work right. And passion for him will cause us to have passion for others. You know, you cannot remain self-centered while you're worshiping an extravagant God because he gives us the love. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says that his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So he fills us with his love, and his love kind of changes us. First, it makes us uncomfortable, you know, and that uncomfortableness is great because it gets us out of the comfort zone into the flow of where he wants in our lives. You know, I think that God wants to renew our passion over and over. All of my life, I've been saved now for 41 years, and 46 years, excuse me, and baptized in the Holy Spirit for 41 years. And ever since I have been saved, people have been telling me to calm down, you know. And people are saying, that's going to wear off. You know, my school teachers told me this stuff is going to wear off. It's going to calm down. A little bit later on, the elders in the church when I was sent out told me to slow down. They told me to pace myself. You know, I don't really need to pace myself. I have ADD, you know, so this stuff works for me. I try to ride that thing. If any of you, any of you here have ADD, I used to take medicine. I'm off of it, really enjoying myself, you know. So, uh, you know, whatever you are formed, however you are formed, God wants to put a passion in your heart, and he wants to affect others around you. And it's going to make you a little uncomfortable, but you know what? It's worth it because a passion, there's nothing like having a passion for Jesus. You know, he wants to renew our passion. He wants to give us a passion. He wants to make us burn. In fact, that's normal operating procedures in the kingdom of God. 
It's all throughout the Bible, the New Testament in Revelation chapter 3. It tells us, it says, you know, uh, don't be lukewarm. Lukewarm is not normal for us. You know, so if anybody is just telling you to calm down in church, you know, the football game the other day, anybody watch football the other day? I watch like one or two games a year. I love it. You know, I'm not going to tell you who my favorite team is. It's not the Redskins. So you might have an idea now. But our team won the other day, and I got excited about that. I liked it. Our hearts long to make a difference and to reach out and minister to those who needed to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Happy, you know, it makes us satisfied for a little while, but only God can make us happy. So today I just want to challenge you a little bit about the kingdom of God. Since we have been on the mission field, we've had some tough times. You know, there's been some real challenges for us, been some real disappointments, and been some real testimonies. But what we need to do is we need to learn that when we face challenges, we don't succumb to situational passion, to where our passion is only there because we're doing good, because, uh, you know, we have enough money, because we see things according to our plan. I like to plan. Do you guys plan? And my, one of my favorite classes in college was strategic management. I love that stuff. You know, and I think in the kingdom, the more we plan, the better off we can be. But the Holy Spirit, I found out, has his own plans. You know, and the school of the Holy Spirit is not the same as our school that we choose to go through in this world. So he has his own direction, and he teaches us stuff in his timing. So when we face stuff in our life, we're not to get all down in the mouth about it. What we're supposed to do is just trust him and learn the lessons that he has for us and maintain our passion at all costs. I'm told that the film is ready, so let's watch that little thing right there. Okay, it's normal not to have words for the first few minutes. I could never have imagined what God was going to do in and through us 10 years ago when Christy and I moved to Arequipa. Our hearts longed to make a difference and to reach out and minister to those who needed to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. As we began ministering, we realized that God had given us a unique vision 
to reach out to those who were not a part of the city life, but who lived in small, poor pueblos on the outskirts of town where there were no churches or outreaches. We dreamed of establishing a church that would glorify God and not only touch this generation, but would reach out to affect generations to come. This is our Pueblo. This is our mountain. However, our vision doesn't stop here. In fact, it's only begun. We're excited about what God has done this year in Arequipa. He has reaffirmed our vision and given us fresh strategies and new ways of affecting the Pueblos where we live I don't think work. that was on my desk. We strive to make our that. church services oh, culturally relevant so people can understand and relate to what the scripture teaches. As a result, we have not only seen a dramatic increase in weekly attendance, but we have begun to see new leaders and new ministries spring forth from within the church itself. Each week we share a testimony and present a skit to the people in order to teach them truths from the Word. We want to be known as a church that shares and cares. Our children's ministry has grown exponentially this year and serves as a training ground for new and upcoming leaders. The youth and adolescence ministry has flourished within the last six months. God is using this ministry not only to bring back young people who have stopped coming to church, but to begin to train a younger generation up as disciples and leaders in the kingdom of God. The women's ministry is reaching out into new areas. For the first time, many women have discovered the truth of the scripture and how it applies to their daily lives. They have begun memorizing Bible verses and it even shared them with the entire church. For the first time since we've started the church, we have had regular monthly men's meetings in one of our members' homes. This monthly men's meeting serves as a bridge which, little by little, is helping us to bring men into the church. Our newest ministry is leadership training and Saturday evangelism. Two times a week, we meet together to go through leadership classes and pray together. After the leadership meeting on Fridays, members of our church, accompanied by staff members, make visits to newcomers, people who are not attending, and those who just want to visit. On Saturdays, we all go out evangelizing in the streets. Sometimes we show Christian films and other times we hand out tea and crackers. But every time, non-Christians hear the good news of Jesus Christ for perhaps the very first time in their life. God has done so much in our Pueblo, but we want more. We don't want a temporary or superficial work. We want to make a lasting impact. Since almost every household has someone in it that struggles with alcohol, we plan on starting a rehab center to fight this stronghold among the Indians we serve. We also plan on starting a trade school in order to help the men and women obtain jobs so they can escape their poverty situation. 
Finally, we feel that God has called us to plant churches and develop ministries that will be financially self-sufficient so that these works can make a long-lasting impact, not only now, but for generations to come. The people here in these poor areas simply do not have the finances necessary to maintain the works we have started. So after much prayer, we feel God has led us to develop a business enterprise that will enable the people here to make the ministries self-sufficient. If you'd like to learn more about the Business Enterprise Initiative, please watch the next clip in which I'll walk you through the details of Project Super Pig. Please pray about partnering with us as we plant churches and reach out to the poor, the lost, and the hurting, changing cultures, generations, and individual lives for Jesus Christ. Our desire is not just to survive, but as God commanded us in Genesis, we plan to be fruitful and multiply. A lot has been done, but if we want to make deep, permanent impact, there's still much to do. Thank you for your prayers and support. We love you. God bless you. So praise the Lord. One of the things that we're trying to do is make uh, financially self-sufficient the works down there. One of the challenges in going into an unreached area was uh, the people didn't know who Noah was. So we had to teach them who Noah and Abraham, different people were, the books of the Bible, things like that. We have reading programs to teach them how to read. And then uh, other things that challenged after building a building is uh, how we can keep this going in the future generations. There are people that want to go into ministry, but the people there only tithe about $10 a week. Um, and so $10 doesn't hit our budget because our budget is $5,000 a month. So we needed some kind of business enterprise that the people could sustain to help make the work self-sufficient. So we developed a project, and we call it Super Pig. We have about 150 pigs on the farm right now. We have about eight buildings, and uh, we're producing pigs enough to make it um, to where they can pay for the pig farm itself. But um, we've got more to go. We've got about $180,000 left to put into it. We put $270,000 in. When we finish this project, then we will be able to have $60,000 a year raised from the pig farm, which will make the ministry self-sufficient perpetually. So praise God for that. So God's good. Every time we face a challenge doesn't mean we're down and out, is are we? God helps give us a plan. But you know, in the beginning, we were really struggling, pulling our hair out, saying, what do we do? So I believe what we need to do when we're facing these challenges, whether it's church growth or whether it is multiplication or healing in our bodies, anything that we have, God wants to give us a plan and he wants to talk to us because the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. He wants every believer to have a direct relationship with him to where we can learn to talk to him. Uh, one lady in our church, uh, her name was Christina, she came to us and she was paralyzed on half of her body where she couldn't even walk. She had to move around kind of crawling and uh, I sent our pastor from our church because we're training people to be pastors to make visits and he prayed for her and uh, God healed her. Now she'd been to the witch doctor but he couldn't heal her but Jesus healed her. So hallelujah, she's still in our church. Now all of her family is serving God. So, you know, I, I do believe that God, in, in the difficult situations, you find that God does more stuff, you know. So if you're in a situation where you need God to really touch you, don't 
put your faith in the circumstances. Be like Abraham in, the, in Romans chapter 4 where he didn't really consider his body or circumstances, but he kept focused on God. And as I want to bring out today, as you maintain your passion, then you can continue to enjoy your walk with the Lord as well. The next PowerPoint, please. One of the challenges, passion for the kingdom of God. Okay, I, I heard this this last week. I heard that a flood is like a river without a direction. I started thinking about that. And I said, that's pretty good. A flood is like a river without a direction. But I thought, and our passion without a purpose is pointless. So, you know, a river, just a flood is, is going through and it can cause some damage. But if it's a river, it's channeled, you know, and our passion without a purpose can be pointless because we're naturally built to have passion. So if we just let our passion roll over anywhere that we feel in this world, you know, we'll have passion for this and we'll have passion for that for a while. But God wants our passion to have a purpose to it. And that he wants it to be for him and his kingdom. Hallelujah. Next PowerPoint. Three benefits for having a passion for God and his kingdom. Number one, peace and joy. The Bible says that if we have passion for him, we'll have peace and joy. Number two, real freedom in your life. And number three, direction, vision, and a plan. I believe that God, even tonight, wants to give people new vision, new direction, and new plan. As you renew your passion. So as we get the passion out of the passion that we have, we'll flow direction that we're looking for. Sometimes we get lost because we seek first the vision. We seek first the stuff. We seek first the needs that we have. But God said seek first what? His kingdom. And then all his stuff is going to be added to you. Next PowerPoint. Passion for the kingdom of God will result in peace and joy. Matthew 6.33 says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this stuff will be added to you. Also in Luke chapter 12, it's the same thing. He's saying, don't worry, flock. It's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. The birds are provided for. You know, God wants to provide for us. It's very clear. And I'm a firm believer in the word of God. Did anybody here believe the Word of God is true? Amen. We're people of the Word. Hallelujah. And God is not a promise breaker. And it's very clear in the Word about His love and how He wants to care for us, regardless of the economy and stuff like that. But God wants us first not to seek the needs. He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to have a passion for Him. He wants us to put first place Him his agenda. And you know what? All this other stuff is going to get taken care of. Romans 14, 17, it says here, uh, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it is as we focus on the God's kingdom, we will actually have joy and peace. Sometimes we do things to find joy and peace. But what we need to do is focus on the kingdom of God because it is a result out of looking for God's kingdom that we will bear the fruit of joy and peace. It's a promise for us. So we need to do that. You know, um, I struggled with a lot of different things this year. I went through an operation. It kind of took me out for a while. I had a herniated disc. 
and I was in a lot of tremendous pain, and I couldn't lift my arm for a while. I was really thankful my son was down there helping me out, and had some. we have a great team. It's not one person doing it. It's a team down there, so really thankful for that. You know, we had different things that happened to us, and the devil tried to steal my joy. And uh, some, sometimes I really suffered with wanting to be in despair. Do you know it's not wrong to have feelings of depression or feelings of sadness? It's just that we don't have to let them overcome us. You know, we can displace them. In fact, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says we can believe God and not understand everything. It says trust God with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. There are times that we can trust God, and when we begin to focus on the right things, you know what? Our feelings begin to behave themselves. My feelings don't behave themselves a lot of times. But if you think right, you will feel right. So as we begin to put our trust in God's Word and hold fast to those things that were true, the fruit of the Spirit will bear fruit every time. The time, one time when we were first built our house, we built a house, we we have a house here in Denby. We paid for it, and so we borrowed a second mortgage on it to build a house in Peru, and we finished that this last year. And uh, one of the first, the first month we were there, someone tried to break in. They cut through the outer door. There's a metal door there. They cut through it and tried to break through it, you know. And so every time somebody comes against us, God helps us to get stronger. There was a man that worked in the church several years ago, and he stole a lot of money. And so over the years, he stole about $20,000, you know, and he was the one that was supposed to be telling me what the local laws were. And so instead of just giving up, God helped us to get into a good position so that that won't happen into the future. You know, we had times where our neighbor on our land this last year, one day, John is on the, on the pig farm, and he comes through with a bulldozer and starts bulldozing our land, trying to steal our land. So you have to learn all these different laws that happen, and you have to learn how to get stronger. But if you don't face these things, you can't get stronger. Many times things happen in our life so we get stronger, so we can have a passion that is deeper and more secure in God. When they put that, uh, when they tried cutting through our door, you know what we did? We got a security service. So now we had a security system. We got a rifle. Now we use rubber bullets. I think as a missionary, the line's got to be drawn somewhere. You know, uh, we, we could have, I mean, you know, the Bible does say that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. But we're not using that strategy down there. Uh, now, when there's a lot of new workers in the field, John will go out in the park and he'll let off a couple of shots, you know, and you just leave the target out there just to say, hey, we got one of these in the house. Uh, you know, come on in and we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. But I don't believe in giving up. I believe giving up is almost a fruit of the Spirit. You know, it says faith and perseverance, they inherited the, the promise, faith and patience. And it's those that continue to hold on to their passion and don't let the devil just go uh, make them down into a blob that really reap the kingdom of God. God made us to have a passion all of our life. All of our life we're supposed to have a passion. This is a mighty God. We're supposed to be passion, passionate and radical about Him. Hallelujah. He's good. And I love Him. You know, and I like being passionate. Hallelujah. We need to discover that the kingdom is all about God. It's not about us, is it? 
It's not about us. We've got to get our eyes off of that. It's taken me my whole lifetime to figure out it's not about me. Every time I begin to forget it, you know what? My wife remember, reminds me. Praise God. She needs to. You know, that's what you're in there. You know, when you get when one, one of the couple begins to misbehave, begins to doubt, the other one's there to raise them up, you know. So that's why God puts people together. Hallelujah. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, Since you were brought back to life in Christ, focus on the things that are above, wherein Christ holds the highest position, Keep your mind on things above, not on the worldly things. So it's not saying that we can't think about worldly things. It's saying focused on it, and the majority of our focus is going to be on heaven. We're heavenly minded. Hallelujah. Christ is your life. When he appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Next PowerPoint. Passion for the kingdom will bring real freedom to us, especially in two areas. In Romans 14, 7, it says, None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Nate Saint said, no, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to uh, gain that which he cannot lose. He worked in northern Peru and in Ecuador, uh, you know, among the Aka Indians, and he gave his life so that other, he was a bridge so that others could go and win those that are, that are lost. I think that one of some of the greatest faith that we can have is we can be like those in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, these all died in faith, that not, although not having received the promises, they embraced them from afar off. You know, we can be a part of something that is, we can lay the foundation for something that somebody else can come and do it better than us. You know, we can be a part of something because we're believers. You know, and if somebody else comes and builds on that, you know, we're happy for it. One way this helps us is as we become stewards. I like the parable of the steward in Matthew chapter 25 because, you know, it says that one of the guys that had a talent, he buried his stuff into the ground. And when the master came, what did he say? He said, I buried my stuff because I was afraid. And you know, when we become stewards, when we become kingdom-oriented, we don't fear losing our stuff. You know, when we fear losing our stuff, we can't support the kingdom. God has called us to support the kingdom. You know, we're to be about so excited. I was really excited to hear about y'all's, you know, plan to give out gloves and the different things that this church does. Support it. Get behind the pastors because you know what? That's what we're called to do. And, you know, we're not supposed to get scared because a steward is not scared because we know that things work different in the kingdom of God. As, we, as, as uh, Pastor Fred pointed out, as we lend to the Lord, he will surely pay us. You know, so God is, God wants us to feel free to be a steward. The second thing that it gives us is that uh, it helps us to get out of the boat. You know, we, we, we talk about getting out of the boat, but there's so much freedom in getting out of the boat. Hey, I'm walking on the water. It's cool. But then, you know, a hard day comes, another hard day. And I'm going to tell you this last year, I was looking for the path back to the boat. You know, I wanted to get back in the boat. And sometimes God gives us a vision and gets us out to where we can't see land, we can't see the boat, but that's okay. 
because he is faithful. We don't have to fear that. He'll take us one step at a time, and as we keep our focus on him, he will allow us to be free enough to take a risk. And that's what we need to do. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, it says, The kingdom of God is like a man who found great treasure, and he sold everything. He sold everything. I mean, there is nothing that we have that is worth this kingdom of God. It's worth selling out. Hallelujah. It gives a fire to us. It gives direction to us. It brings provision to us. But you know what? Anything that we hold on to, we have to claim as ours instead of the kingdom of God. But if we sell out to the kingdom of God, he not only gives us this treasure, but he has our heart, which is what we need to give him. And then he gives us the stuff as well. So God really wants to help us out. You know, uh, next PowerPoint, please. I read this book uh, by Francis Chan. I always want to call him Jackie, you know. Do y'all ever have this problem? I always want to say, I read this book by Jackie Chan, you know. So everybody says, okay. You know, I didn't know he was writing. Anyway, you know, Francis Chan says, people who are obsessed with Jesus aren't consumed with their personal safety and comfort above all else. Obsessed people care more about God's kingdom coming to this earth than their own lives being shielded from pain and distress. We want to do anything we can to shield ourselves from pain and distress. But you know what? Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will take care of us. We just need to trust in Him. Hallelujah. Next PowerPoint. I don't think we should fear getting knocked down. You know, that's my favorite ringtone. I get knocked down, you know, but I get up again, you know. And if you get knocked down, you can get up again. Don't get fearful knocking down. I got a, I got a motorcycle recently. My gas bill is $700 a month. Can you believe that? $700. So I got a motorcycle because we're trying to save gas. They drive like crazy down there, but I'm going to drive it on the back roads. So here I am. I'll be 55 next year. I'm riding a motorcycle. I hadn't, I hadn't ridden one in 30 years. It's fun. You know, I've only wrecked once, but if you're, if you're scared to have a wreck, you shouldn't get on a motorcycle, right? I mean, that's what you should put that sign on the motorcycle. If you're scared to wreck, don't get on. So I wrecked once, and uh, I'm wearing a helmet all the time now, and I plan on practicing more in my neighborhood. But I didn't have enough confidence to get up the hill, so I was kind of doing it cautiously, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, my son told me, you, didn't, you weren't doing it right. So next time I'm going to have it a little bit, I'm going to be a little faster, but I'm going to have somebody around me in case I fall. You know, so I just believe we need to uh, not fear getting knocked down so much because it's, it's the righteous man will fall seven times, but he gets back up, you know. Don't fear taking a risk. It's real freedom and getting out and just dancing for the Lord, just getting out and letting loose for him. And you know what? That passion will invigorate you, and it's freedom there. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, now, the third benefit is that the passion for the kingdom of God will give us direction, vision, and a plan for us. I, feel like, I felt like as I was praising the Lord that that's really the word that the Holy Spirit wanted me to emphasize. That, uh, you know, as we have this passion, the vision that we're looking for and the direction and plan for that vision will come from our passion. You know, sometimes it's interesting Sometimes it's very interesting how God works, but our worst failure and our worst screw-ups are the launching pad for our greatest ministries. The things that we fear to let go of the most when we finally let go of, God uses us to propel us 
into our greatest successes. Our problem is not our weaknesses and our success. It's us holding on to them rather than letting them go. The hardest thing to do is to walk down to the altar and let it go. And then as God has it, you know, he's always faithful. I've seen a lot of people delivered from different things in their life. And right before the deliverance, they're the most fearful. And the devil always ministers fear, but God is not that way. God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. So, you know, I believe God wants to give and invigorate us again to be loco for Jesus. To be radical. To be passionate for Him. And maybe, just maybe, that thing that you're seeking the Lord about, you start just getting passionate, and He's going to show you crystal clear which way to go. He's going to show you crystal clear what to get involved in. And you know what? Instead of living closed fist, you'll have to start living open-handed. And you know, God wants to do these beautiful things in our life, and He's not a respecter person. I just wanted to give you a couple of verses about the poor, because I think whatever we involved in, we're supposed to touch the poor. I want to close with this. Pastor Fred stole one of mine. That's okay. Uh, Psalms 41, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is he that considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him when he is in trouble. Do you know that's in the Bible? You know, when you're in trouble, if you've been taking care of the poor, hello, God's there for you. All right? Here's another one. It's a little scary for me. If you stop your ears at the cry of the poor, God will not hear you when you cry out. I'm scared to turn a beggar down, you know. I, 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 like find a penny or something, you know. I, got, I don't want it to, at least God bless him. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, we're supposed to be, it's, it's not as much in what you give, it's maintaining your heart in the right place. So, you know, God wants to help us out. Um, and it says, uh, okay, the third one, Pastor Fred already read. We're not going to read that one, okay. So, you know, I believe that God wants us to live helping out others. And it may not be what we think is the, the greatest thing in life, but you know what? Jesus came as a servant. And if we just get involved saying, God, I'm doing this as to you, you know what? God is going to open up. New passion is going to come to you. New direction and new plans are going to come to you because it's a God thing. And God does things different than we do. Hallelujah. But He is so much more powerful. And in our weaknesses... He is going to make strong. I'll just close with this illustration. Apostle Paul had a weird strategy. You know what it was? Go into a new town, preach a little bit and get beat up, almost die, come back and preach to the people that respond to that, and then look for a new town. I'm glad I'm not that. But you know, he suffered. He said he despaired even of life. He suffered with suicidal tendencies probably. It's not wrong to have to suffer with some of these tendencies. What's wrong is to let the devil beat us up for the rest of our lives with him. When God has got liberation through the passion for him and his kingdom. Amen. I just want to pray for y'all guys as we leave. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this church. I just bless the pastors, uh, Vanessa and Fred, and God, I bless this whole 
thing that you are doing here. And thank you, Lord, for letting us walk and share this little bit of eternity together in your kingdom. I just ask God for you to release a passion tonight. Even those people that just want more passion, they want, they want to, to, to fire up a little bit more. God, I ask for you by the, the power of the Holy Spirit just to release your passion in a new way, God. Thank you, Lord, for all the freedom you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say thank you to Don? Good. I'm going to ask Kevin to come up and just play on the keyboard for a minute. I want to, I want to just, we're going to leave in just a minute. But before we do that, just while he was sharing, I just I had a sense that you might be in here tonight and you might be saying, I don't know what my Peru is. You with me? His, Peru is his passion. You're supposed to have a Peru. You're supposed to have one. I'm doing a funeral tomorrow for a family. I don't know the deceased, but I know the family. And so they asked me to come and be with them tomorrow for the service. You know, one of the things, it's interesting what, what Don was sharing about tonight, because at the, at the end of the message I felt like God gave to me, one of the, the, the things I want to talk with them about is one day that's going to be us. You with me? In that room and other people celebrating our life. I don't want to have any regrets. I do not want to have any regrets. I want to be ready when it's my time to go. And one of the things I think that makes us ready is that we've had a dream and we've run after it with all of our heart. Whether we failed some along to the way or whether we've fallen down a lot or whether or not other people measure it by some standard of success. But the, well, the question is, whether did we, have, did we have a Peru in our life that we gave ourselves for? quote by Jim Elliott, I'm telling you what, come on, it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So I'm just asking you, this is the last thing we're going to do. Come on, then we're going to let you go home to some of those miserable leftovers in your refrigerator you just can't get enough of. But come on, before you do that, just give your heart to this moment. Come on. If you're here, I know it takes courage. I understand. But if you're here tonight and you would say, I do not know what my Peru is, but I want to have one. I just, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. I just want to pray for you. If you're just, I don't even know what that might mean for you, but just you. Come on, do not be bashful. If you're saying, I want to know, you might know what your Peru is. That's okay. But if you're just saying, I want to know what my Peru is. I, I, want, I want to have something that causes me to stir like Don and Christie's and John's heart stir. I want to have something that causes my heart to stir like I see other people at times that their heart stirs. Father, we just lift up the people that are standing here tonight. We don't come on Saturday nights to pretend. We don't come because we're trying to keep some, some, some social practice alive. We come because we believe that you are real, that you are alive that you have a purpose for every person that is on this earth, that you have a Peru that you want to put in the heart of every person. And so we come together for moments like this, God, right here, right now, where we just open up our heart to you and you just do what you do, that you are who you are, the sovereign creator of the universe that breathed all that we know and joy into existence, that you can create like that in each of us in but a moment of time. Breathe passion 
into the hearts of the people that are in this room, oh God, the people that are standing. We just declare right now in the name of Jesus Christ that revelation is going to begin to come to people, that there's going to begin to be an understanding of the Peru that you would have them to reach for, that there's going to be revelation in people's lives tonight because they've had the courage to stand, God. You're going to move in their lives that you're going to enable them to begin to discern and understand the work that you called them to do, to give their heart to, to be passionate about. I pray too, Father, for people in this room right now that they just, they just need to have a passion, Father, for life as a follower of Christ. If that's you tonight, I'm just telling you right now that you're going to wake up different tomorrow. I'm just telling you right now, I can hear God speaking to your heart. You know who you are, that you are frustrated that you are frustrated because you come into rooms like this and you see other people excited about being a Christian and you don't have that excitement, God says it's going to come to you. I'm going to give it to you in great measure, bubbling up, overflowing. You're not even going to know who you are. You're not even going to recognize yourself. Father, for whoever that person is, or it might be a handful of people, oh God, that, that you would just fill them up even as they sleep tonight. They're going to wake up with a renewed sense of excitement and enthusiasm for the kingdom of God. For somebody else here tonight, you struggle with fear. You are, you're afraid. You are, you're, you're afraid of being conspicuous in your faith. If that's you tonight, I'm just telling you, God's going to break that fear in your life. He's going to break that fear in your life. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to help yourself to talk to people about your love for God tomorrow as you go through your day. Father, for everybody that's here tonight, for every need that you've kind of spoken to tonight, but even those that you've not, Father, we trust you tonight with all of our heart. When it's our time, God, to lay this life to rest, we don't want to have any regrets. We don't want to have any treasures buried in a field. We want to pour it all out for you and for your namesake. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said together, amen. Come on. We'll see you next week.